0: I'm Marjorie Melpedi. I'm excited about today's conversation. First, because I have two fabulous guests who are good friends of MCI. And secondly, they are both in great positions to observe what's going on in student mental health and overall well-being as we start this new year. Andrew Shepardson is Vice President for Student Affairs and Dean of Students at Bentley University. And Andrew is also on the Mary Christie Institute Board of Directors. Hi, Andrew. Hello. How are you? I'm um, great. Thank you. And thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Zoe Ragusios is the Executive Director of Counseling and Wellness Services at New York University. Zoe is also on our board of directors and serves as our clinical officer. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. So today we're gonna get your observations about what kinds of issues or trends you think have been most prominent this past year, as well as what you're thinking about from a student affairs perspective, what the student affairs community is looking at, I should say for 2023, which is now. Oh my. I keep thinking that is sort of a future date, but that's now. So Zoe, I think I'll start with you. You have been on the front lines of another sort of unusual year in student mental health. I think in higher ed as in everywhere, we'd like to think this is sort of post pandemic and, oh, I think we're hoping things are back to normal. What would you say about that? given your work every day.
2: Yeah, I mean and and some of this will sort of be a repeat of things people have already heard, but I think it's sort of worth going over. There's been a lot of discussions about the fact that the behavioral and socio-emotional development of our students has been stunted because of the pandemic that is absolutely true and that there are significant numbers of students reporting anxiety and stress. And some of it is clinical in nature, actual clinical depression and anxiety that existed before and probably has been exacerbated by the pandemic. And some of it is situational, you know, student finances and safety and and jobs and political turmoil and and academic performance and, you know, all the things that affect one's mental health. But also, let's face it, you mentioned going back to normal, even if things... Have returned back to normal. Normal, as you'll recall, wasn't that great to begin with. Good point. Uh, with more than 60% of college students meeting criteria for a mental health issue. That is the backdrop. And, you know, the fact that COVID did further decrease stigma, giving students permission to say that their mental health is being affected. And many times by, again, external non-clinical factors. What resonates for me is sort of the way forward at this point in time, you know, whether the pandemic contributed or whether this is sort of a back to normal, the best way forward is to understand and I know this is something that MCI has been promoting for a while, uh, which is that responding to this next stage in ensuring that our students are well is to look outside the student health centers. So, you know, this is not to say that we don't need the counselors. In fact, we need more counselors. But if we acknowledge that the majority of students are not going to use clinical services, which is sort of a a, a fact, the majority of students do not interact with clinical services, then who else is out there in our university communities who could be helping?
0: So yeah, that is a a theme that we we certainly have been examining in our work, Zoe, and I know you've been a, a part of that. I'm wondering how pervasive that is sort of nationally. And maybe I'll ask Andrew that. So Andrew, you're Dean of Students at Bentley University. But I know a lot of people in your position obviously prioritize student mental health since it's been such a huge issue over the past few years. what, what are you seeing there? You know as
1: Zoe so eloquently put you know the the stunted social and, and developmental pieces of students has been a huge challenge and it's not all clinical. I think it's been fascinating seeing how um, our clinical response has been as we've had to readjust as what we typically saw us you know really crush periods weren't as busy as they were before but Times when we didn't think the center would be busy were busier than we anticipated. But there is this whole piece about how are we engaging with students throughout the university experience? I think all institutions are looking at this, yes. We do need the health centers and the counseling centers to deal with the issues, and we're seeing them dealing with more severe issues than we ever have before. But but students have some real developmental pieces that they they need our help with, and that's both learning how to socialize with their peers, which has been a huge challenge, and adding to loneliness and anxiety on the campus. That doesn't need to be solved in the counseling center, but our staffs have to be better at dealing with that and better at helping students work with each other. But also there's a lack of ability to be engaged in the classroom because so many students have not been actually in the classroom or it's been a hybrid format. Going back to class has produced a lot of anxiety of having to be on, in quotes, while you're in front of the professor as opposed to being behind a screen. The idea of having to one-on-one talk with the professor or go to office hours has added to that challenge. So there's a lot of um, coping and just some real life skills that we've had to go back. At Bentley, we've been calling it going back to basics, going back to the, the baseline needs of students and making sure they feel safe, making sure they can have those beginning conversations with each other. Because without putting that baseline in, that anxiety is growing exponentially and leading to more needs in our, our counseling center.
0: So, Andrew, I actually have been hearing similar things from even up to the president's offices about sort of the change in this student interaction. That's a great point about, you know, being sort of rusty around social skills and whether it's, you know, interacting with peers or your professor or whatnot. I can say I feel the same myself sometimes. I think a lot of us do. What about sort of extracurriculars or social life on campus? Do you see any kind of change in the way um, that students sort of used to be, I should say. Of course, I'm talking about back in the day, I can tell you how, how, how much fun we had. But I thought I heard you say at one point that you're sort of seeing a change in that too.
1: Absolutely. And you know, we're certainly seeing a change in students' desire for more organized activities, which makes sense. A large part of our student population, very organized childhoods from this play day to soccer practice to dance to this engagement. So they're looking for some of those curated structured activities. Their ability to manage the unstructured is where we're seeing a lot of challenges and ability to organize events on their own or do things on their own. I mean the, the good news piece of it is our behavioral issues in residence halls are down. We're not seeing large gatherings of students in dormitory rooms and parties with alcohol. So that's a good thing, but we're also missing the social pieces. And so we, we're seeing students isolating more, spending more time on their on their phone, not meeting new people, but connecting with prior friend groups, and not really getting that full engagement experience. So there are some good pieces of that. And our staffs in the halls are doing less follow-up on behavioral issues, but they are certainly doing more, especially late night, mental health visits and those kinds of pieces. But it's a dramatic turn in the last five years.
0: That's so interesting to me. You'd probably never believe you'd say that, like, hey, where are the parties?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I never in, uh, you know, 30 years in this business, never thought I'd be uh, saying that.
0: Yeah no and again I get it. it 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 is good news that alcohol consumption we Absolutely. think is down but I do want to I do want to pause on that and maybe go back to Zoe just because there aren't Keg parties in the quads doesn't mean we have to not be vigilant about substance use, right? Do we, and I know that there's not a whole lot of evidence yet about sort of these trends during the pandemic, but there's a lot of worry that instead of it being a sort of an accepted social type of activity, it was becoming more of a negative individualized activity do you, either of you have any thoughts on that
2: well there there was in fact data that nationally there were I- increased numbers of accidental overdoses during the time where we were isolated and so i think that you know that there is no reason to believe that universities are not being impacted by students using street drugs and m- misusing prescription medication and alcohol. I think that it remains a concern and that in fact, again, during COVID was an increased concern.
0: Yeah, Zoe, while I have you, talk a little bit about what's going on in the field. I know that a lot of your peers and you included are concerned about your staff. Your, the turnover and burnout, do you see that waning or hopefully not escalating going into this new year?
2: Yeah, I mean, as we lift up well being within our universities and make it a top priority, you know, to include those providing clinical service and all of those paraprofessionals that I want to be part of our next stage, which, you know, obviously includes the faculty, student services, individuals. We have to be prepared to support those people that are doing the work. There is a shortage of mental health professionals right now, and there's a shortage of people interested in higher education student services jobs as well, and that's because it's high-stress work, and it's sort of a potpourri of all this stuff, including unavoidable conversations with students about mental health issues. So that's one challenge. How can we provide training to our faculty, to our student services professionals, to equip them to do this work more confidently and safely? So yeah, I mean, I'm very concerned that you know if if we believe that referring everybody to the counseling services is an outdated way of responding which i believe is true then we have to be looking at the other people who are going to help like the faculty like the paraprofessionals like the peers and making sure that they're in a position to succeed in assisting us and
0: improving student well-being. Andrew, what is your sense of what Zoe is saying? Are you seeing some some sort of similar issues going on there, at Bentley?
1: I, I definitely broadly see the similar issues, and as she said, about student services and the high stress. But what I am seeing, at, certainly at my institution, I'm very proud of my institution and other institutions, really embracing what Zoe was talking about, and that's the, the well-being of everybody, and making sure that everybody's doing well. And I think at institutions that are focused on their student services staff who got into the field because they want to help students. And that has not changed. But when they believe the institution also wants to help them, wants to prioritize their well-being, ensures they have time off, ensures they have breaks, work-life balance, I think we're seeing people stay in the field because the work is really rewarding. And we've got to make sure that that balance is there for our staff. And when we do, I think we'll find we have great people who really want to help this generation move forward. And I'm excited about that. And I do think I see a lot of institutions, mine included, where that priority is really paying some great dividends for our students and for our staff.
0: That's really, really good news. I'm glad to hear it. Andrew, let's talk more about the field writ large. You are the chair right now of a really interesting group called the Scott Academy, right, which is a group of student affairs directors throughout the country who are part of NASPA. So let me ask you, beyond just student mental health and some of the things we've been talking about, what are some of the big student affairs issues that groups like the Scott Academy will be looking at this
1: year? Sure, you know, I think one of the pieces that we have been, obviously been focused on DE&I work, and what we call JEDI, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, but really thinking about in the context of some of the horrible incidents we've seen across the country and across the world, and the impact that has on many of our students, you know, thinking about anti-Semitism, anti-Black, anti-Asian Pacific Islander, homophobic, misogynistic, these incidents keep happening and these students are impacted uh, over and over again. And so how do we help them deal with that trauma that happens? How do we ensure that our campuses are inclusive spaces for them and give them a place to feel safe while they go through the experience? So that's a huge focus of what we're trying to do as we help our students. Secondly, the well-being piece is so front and center for all of us. And, And I think the You know, maybe a few years ago, just pre-pandemic, we were talking about, you know, the reactive piece. How many counselors do we need? How many different positions do we need? And that's shifting to how are we preparing our students for life outside of the institution, for the world of work, to give them those life skills. And that has been a big shift and a big focus of making sure we're doing now, not just triaging and treating, but actually being really proactive and doing that work. And one of the ways that really is encouraging to me is grabbing hold of some of the student activism around both of these issues, but with well-being, I'm seeing on campus first demands for more support, which we recognize from our students, but a real investment by our student leaders are coming to us and saying, we need more training. How do we make sure that we're not adding to the anxiety of our peers or our student leaders? How do we help our members navigate a stressful college environment? How do we establish groups that will help support that? So really trying to embrace this Gen Z, which is very invested in the world around them and have them partner with us to improve the situation for this generation and all that they're going through.
0: Oh, that's great. I, and I just want to mention, I'll give a shout out to your president, and many of, of them around the country who are committed. I've been fortunate to see many. One is really Brent Cricht, who is the new president. Oh, he's been there about a year or so, right, Andrew? New president of Bentley University. Year and a half. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Kreit is a terrific advocate and really thoughtful and dedicated leader in both of these areas, both in DEI and in, in well-being from an environmental perspective. So it's great to have folks like him at the helm. Yeah, he's wonderful. Zoe, any last words? It's been so great talking to you both. And maybe we can do this again, because you guys are terrific barometers about what's going on on the ground. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the
2: last thing I'll say is that, you know, it will take a while. But I think that we are starting on the road of promoting a culture of well-being on our campuses where everyone feels permission to highlight the issue, ask for more training, as Andrew said, put put well-being as the number one priority. And I read an article yesterday where a faculty member before the exam asked their students to look at their neighbor and wish them good luck. Uh, and that was just- What an amazing small moment, but can you imagine how many smiles and lifting of spirits that one little thing caused, right? So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that we want our faculty, people who didn't normally believe this was part of their job, our faculty, students supporting each other, obviously student services professionals on the front lines, just everybody thinking about the tiny little things we can do to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make people feel supported. And as Andrew said, that is goes for our students as our priority, but it also goes for our colleagues because
0: if they're not well, they can't make sure our students are well. I love that. Thank you Zoe. I'm getting a very positive vibe getting into 2023. Maybe I should say a tentative positive vibe, but it is again, great to talk to you both. Thank you so much for being with us today. And come back to the Quadcast soon.
2: Thank, Thank you, Mark. Would
1: love to. Thank you.
0: This has been the Quadcast, a program of the Mary Christie Institute. To learn more about our work, go to Institute.org, where you can sign up for our other programs like the MC Feed and the Mary Christie Quarterly. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating, a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening.